Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. So I want you to picture with me. There's a groom. He's down front. He's in a flashy, spotless tuxedo. You all know where I'm going with this. He's handsome, smiling, full of anticipation. His shoes are shined, every hair in place, anxiously awaiting the coming of his bride. You got the picture? Mm -hmm. All right. The tendons are in place. Everything is just perfect, so it seems. And then it begins. The magical moment arises. The pipe organ begins to play. Everyone rises to their feet, looking toward the back doors of the church. The doors open, and suddenly there's a horrifying gasp. Everyone is shocked. The groom looks on, embarrassed with disbelief, for instead of a lovely, dressed, and elegant white bride-to-be, she's limping. Her dress is soiled and torn. Ugly cuts and bruises are up and down her arms. Her nose is bleeding, one eye purple and swollen, her hair a mess. His parents cry out, does not the handsome groom, our son, deserve better than this? And of course, we'd all agree, right? Because that's the way it's supposed to be. But it's not. See, this is an excerpt taking from a book that I really love about the church. And the author writes, Oh my God, God's bride, his church, has been fighting again. Mm -hmm. See, I think that's the reality, isn't it? See, the world is the congregation. And we're always speaking about this relationship of love and this greatness of who Christ is and everything that changes and how beautiful it's supposed to be. And the Bible says that we're to be his bride, right? That's the church. And so the doors of the world open and we're to come in ushered in his glory and his goodness. But I think this is what the world sees more often than not. The church. And yet what does Paul write? In 1 Corinthians, he says, in the name of Jesus, and he's actually begging, the Bible says, be united with one another, that there be no division among you, that you be united in mind and thought. And yet it's not that way, is it? What's supposed to be a glorious celebration has now become more of a gory infestation. A ritual of disorder and division seems to be more often the reality rather than a gathering of unity and joy. And it seems we've now developed an attitude of let's get even rather than let's get along. If you got your Bibles, I want you to go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And if you're joining us, we've been going through the book of James verse by verse and talking about what does it mean to have a mature faith? What does it mean to develop a faith like Jesus? Now there's a book out, it's been out for over three decades. It's called All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's quite a popular book and a lot of people have read it. And it's filled with all kinds of rules for people engagement. Rules like share everything, play fair, don't hit people. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Watch out for traffic. Hold hands, stick together, and it goes on and on. Let me just say, those are good words of advice, true? But here's something I want you to listen to. Good advice doesn't work when it comes to people. We need God advice. And that's what we're going to read about. It's called wisdom. We don't need more knowledge when it comes to how do we navigate our relationships. We need wisdom. We need God's word. And see, I think that it would be better to hear from the creator of who we are rather than one of his creations in who we are. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Powerful. So we're going to look at James chapter 3. 
And we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. And this is a message of, uh, that I've entitled, How to Play Well with Others, specifically other believers. How do we learn to play well with others? See, the reason I mention about that book, uh, everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten, is because uh, we don't need good sense. We need God sense. Because here's what I've learned. Common sense isn't so common. We need Christ sense. And so we're going to look at James chapter 3, beginning in the 13th verse. And I'm going to be reading from Eugene Peterson's The Message, and I think you'll be able to follow along uh, pretty closely, but I want you to listen to what Eugene says as he takes the original language and puts it into a modern context that I think we can better understand. Beginning in verse 13, chapter 3, here's what it says. Here's what you need to do. Live well. Live wisely. Live humbly. Now, let me pull those apart. Here's what you need to do, he says. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. Do you know what he's saying? Uh, Live well, in other words, do what's right. But then he doesn't stop there. He says, no, 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 maybe maybe that's not good enough. Don't live well, live wisely. In, In other words, don't do what's right, do what's righteous. You need to do what the word of God says. And I say this over and over in church, I don't want you to miss this. I think we like talking about the Bible. We don't like obeying it. If the word is going to be God's word in our life, then it needs to be the authority in how we live. We need to take its truth and apply it in our lives. Would you agree? Absolutely. This is what James is saying. Don't just live well, do what's right. Do what's righteous. Do what's wise. But then he adds this, live humbly. Do you know what he's saying? Live like Jesus. Because Philippians 2, we're going to look at that in just a moment. We're to have the attitude that Jesus had to think of others more important than ourselves. So live well, live wisely, live humbly. Then he goes on to say this. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Actions always speak louder than words. And we need to learn that. Our lives are a walking billboard of who we are in Christ People are watching us all the time. The doors of the church are open. And people are watching how we present ourselves, how we walk, how we interact with each other. So he says, don't be mean-spirited. That's not wisdom. Boasting that you are wise. That's not wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise is not wisdom. So whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, Things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throat. Haven't we seen that? How does this make me look? How do people see me? You know, always, always kind of upping ourselves, if you will. And James says, no, look, it causes conflict. That's not wisdom. But then he adds this. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I love those words. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In other words, the one who has great effect is the one that learns how to play well with others, the way that Jesus plays with us. Now, listen, we need to get this because I contend there's a lot lot at stake here. And I think there's been a lot at stake. And I'm about to say something that's going to be a little bit radical, but I don't want you to miss it. Church, catch this. People don't need Jesus. People need Jesus in us. I I think we love to say people need Jesus. And yet the Bible says what? How can you say you love me who you've not seen and yet hate your brother, hate your sister? We're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. People need Jesus in us. We're to be who Jesus is. And Jesus said what? And you'll know who my disciples are and how they love one another. 
We need to learn how to play well with others. The church needs to hear this message. Now, I want you to write this down real quickly. There are three different types of people when it comes to playing well with others, when it comes to this peace stuff. Here's the first one. I call them peace fakers, okay? They're peace fakers. Okay, these are the ones that just hope that things will go away, okay? They, they try to keep the peace. They don't try to make peace. They just want to avoid any kind of conflict or tension at all cost. They just kind of sit in the shadows. I call them peace fakers. Then there's the second group I call the peace breakers. Okay, they are the exact opposite. They always seem to be looking for a conflict. Anybody know anybody like that? Do not look at them right now, okay? They, They would rather be right in an argument rather than be rich in the relationship. You know someone like that? I mean, I knew a guy once that was so argumentative, he'd only eat food that disagreed with him. I mean, I'm just telling you, there's people like that, true? (laughs) You know, Proverbs 20, verse three says this, any fool can start an argument, but the wise, there's that word, the wise stay out of them because they make peace. That's the third type of people the peace maker. They're not a peace faker. They're not a peace breaker. They're a peacemaker. And this is what we're going to talk about. Learning to play well with others. We need to learn the art of making peace. By the way, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. One of the attitudes to be, or known as the Beatitudes, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Okay? Not the peace fakers, not the peace breakers, not the peace takers, okay? But the peacemakers, they will be called the children of God. They will be called the children of God. And so we're gonna talk about what does it mean to play well with others? What, it, what does it mean to, to truly make peace in relationships so that the bride of Christ is beautiful in all of its glory and all of its radiance? And that God is, is this groom to the bride. It's just so beautiful. Now, I want to read the words of Paul that he wrote to the, to the church of Philippi. And, and listen to this very carefully. It's out of Philippians 2, verses 2 through 5. Church, listen to these words. If you have gotten anything at all out of following Jesus, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, he says, do me a favor. Now watch this. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. And then he adds these words, for your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And so I'm gonna give you three of those Christ-like attitudes that I wanna have at this church, okay? I wanna give you three keys to being a peacemaker to getting along with others. But before I do, I just want to pause here. What's going through your heart and mind right now up into this point? If we say we love Jesus, our lives have to be different. As believers, when we're outside, when people see us, who do they see? We say we, it's easy to say people need Jesus. But when, when people need to see Jesus in us, do they see that? Because we can't say I love Jesus, but then I don't like this person. I don't agree with this person. I push them off. Well, just because we disagree, I don't want to be friends anymore. And that, that just speaks to me loudly because I don't want to be that person. If I say that I love Jesus, I want to let people know that and them see that with my actions, not just with my mouth, because that's what matters. Also, the part of being accountable, being committed, we're in a place now where so many people don't want to commit. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus is God. Just go, yeah, yeah, don't, we'll, we'll pray for you. But to really make it personal and for me to be the mission, 
to, to, to live and, and walk in that righteous path. So now, whatever that situation or whoever that person is, it's not sending them off. It's like, hey, sis, I'm right here. Or, hey, brother, I'm right here. How, how, how can we come to our Heavenly Father right now over this or whatever or speak life into that? And rather than, oh, well, you know, we're, we're here Sunday or, 11 or 9 o'clock, I'll see you there. But really honing in and saying, okay, my door's open. I got time. There's, 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 there's nothing more important than, than you right now. And God wants you. Absolutely. That's what I think about. Absolutely. To stay in it to win it. That's, that's, why we, that's why we're here. You know, when Pastor Keith was reading that, um, from the message in that, that James 3, I was reading it from the NIV, and it says, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, or of the devil. And that's who wins every time we have that division, every time we don't get along, we don't share that one-on-one, and we know we can do that. Why don't we just do it? Because we choose wrongly, and it's of the devil. We make that choice, yes, but it's not what God wants from us as his people. He wants that unity. And you were talking about that commitment. It, it's so much easier to keep the peace or fake the peace than it is to make peace. It's so much more of a commitment. It involves getting messy, getting dirty. It involves time. It involves having conversations maybe you don't want to have. It involves all kinds of stuff that is so much easier to sweep under the rug and pretend like it's okay. And it goes back to what you're saying. The devil wins. When we, when we leave it, the devil wins. And people think nowadays that they're trying to make peace by, especially like, our, you know, the youth talked about last week is social media. But in my life from a young age, I found that social media discussions never are good because you're not face to face with the person. You're not actually talking through things. You're not hearing their inflections. And, and that's almost messier because you're face to face. You have to hear the emotion. You have to hear what is going on in their lives if you disagree with it from an outside point. And what's so great about being a peacemaker in, in, in our world today is that it starts on this ground level. If we're gonna be Christians, it starts relationally and we can start here. And we don't have to look at the big things that divide us because that's happening all over, but we can look at and support one another here in our own community. And that's exactly what Jesus, Paul have talked about. It, it starts in the community. That is a great, transition as we look at these keys because here's the first attitude the first attitude that we need to have if we're going to learn to play well with others here's the first I will accept you as God has accepted me I will accept you think of those words as God has accepted me imagine if we did that you know I read about a man who was walking across a bridge one day when he saw a man standing on the edge about to jump off it. Immediately he ran over and said, stop, don't jump. Why shouldn't I, said the man. Because there's so much to live for. Like what? Well, let me ask, are you religious or are you an atheist? I'm a, I'm a religious person, me too. Well, let me ask another, are you a liberal or are you conservative? Well, I'm a conservative, me too, said the man. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? Well, I'm Baptist, said the man. Me too. Are you American Baptist or Southern Baptist? He says, I'm American Baptist. Me too. You see, this is great. Uh, are you of the original form of the American Baptist Church? Or are you of the Reformed Baptist Church of God? Well, I think I'm of the Reformed Baptist Church of God. Me too. Uh, are you of the Reformed from the Reformation of 1879? Or are you Reformed of the Reformation of 1915? Well, I think I'm reformed to the Reformation of 1915. To which the man who was doing the saving said, Die, you hectic scum, oh and pushed him off. Oh, oh my gosh. Now you stop and go, Whoa! <laughs> That's a little drastic. I contend not so. See, I, I know a lot of people when it comes to acceptance. Well, I'll accept you until you do different music than I like. Or you preach too long or preach too short. 
you with me in this? Mm -hmm. It really comes down to this story, doesn't it? We just keep asking the questions till we find something that's disagreeable and all of a sudden our acceptance changes. See, I've seen so many people who are always looking to make people into whom what they want them to be rather than accept them for whom God has already made them to be. And then when they resist any attempt of their desired change, they can quickly, and may I add, quite easily resign their acceptance toward them and then they go make a change and go somewhere else. Have we not seen that? It happens all the time, doesn't it? And yet Romans 15, verse 7 says this, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Now, I need to add and finish what the verse says because that's what most people do when they quote the verse. But let's go back to our original story of the bride and the groom. It says, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be glorified. Mm -hmm. So that God will be given the glory. See, our acceptance is a huge witness to the world, is it not? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, let me, let me just get a little personal here. I mean, how much has God had to put up with each one of us in our relationship with him? I mean, think about how many times God has had to accept us just the way we are. I mean, do I really think that somehow God's thinking, boy, if you could just be more like Keith. Are you kidding me? I'm the poster child of what not to be. You know what I mean? And James yet tells us in verse 17, the wisdom from above, this wisdom that we need if we're going to learn to play well with others, he says is pure, peace-loving, gentle, willing to yield to others to accept others the way God has accepted us. See, here's what I've discovered. When we use the word diversity, we also want to, we, we most often go to ethnicity, do we not? Yet what is diversity? It means different, right? Mm -hmm. And we're all different. Every one of us sitting here right now are different. And here's what I've discovered about differences. First of all, I, I believe that they're God-given. And when each piece learns to work together, they become a beautiful thing of who God is. Yep. Would you agree? Amen. And so I like differences, but here's what I've learned. Diversity, differences, will always change you. The question is how. They either give you a glimpse in the beauty of who God is, or in your own lack of acceptance, they become divisive. See, I, I'm saddened that we have to be in churches where Christians can only come when they get the, what they want from the church rather than realize that maybe what you don't want is actually what God wants you to have because that's what's going to make you more like him. Amen. Man, if we could just learn to accept one another the way that God accepts us, as if somehow my music style is going to be what's going to be played in heaven. Are you with me in this? As if somehow I'm going to get to heaven and the church is going to be exactly the way I always thought it should be when I was here on earth. And if everybody could have just learned that. But now when they're in heaven, I'm going to be walking around saying, see, told you. I mean, really? Man. Man, if we could learn to accept others the way that God accepts us. What's going through your heart, Mike? See, for me, is is even how dare I even think of doing the opposite of that. If Jesus has accepted me so many times the way I am, no matter what I've done, where I've been, what I've said, he still allows me to come to his throne boldly. How dare me think otherwise somebody else if I don't agree with him or I don't accept you because of this? Who, who am I to say that if God has you know, accepted me no matter what? That always just sticks with me as man. I gotta be so intentional about that and always remember that, always point it back to me. Okay, what has God done for you, Jonathan? How many times has he forgiven you? How many times have you screwed up? God's always been there, loved you the same no matter what. It really makes me think about um, how 
God has given us all of this diversity, specifically so we could experience things we maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity to experience if everybody was exactly the same. What would life be like if we were a cookie cutter, everybody was exactly like you? No music was different. There was no other beliefs. There was no other colors. You were the only image. It, it just feels wrong that people can't open their eyes to all the wonders of the world that diversity brings to us. I mean, look at the things I've gotten to experience with Sheku's African family about the food, the culture, the, the clothing, the music. I mean, just it's so it's broadened my perspective on how I can accept anything from anybody within within reason, of course. Um, and it's it's an opportunity. Diversity is an opportunity for us to go through and learn and experience. When we don't accept them too, like we're saying no to God, like one of your one of the earlier sermons, like he created each one of us in his image. And if we don't take the time to get to know someone or accept them, we're ultimately saying, I don't want to know that part of God because that's a part that God is. I always say, learn to accept him here. They're going to be your roommate forever. <laughs> I just think God has a sense of humor. Yeah. You know? The verse, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If we can remember that every time we're up with someone, he's, they are also fearfully and wonderfully made, mm -hmm. just like we are. Mm -hmm. So we have to tell ourselves that too, that God made them, God loves them, mm -hmm. so I must. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I think of also just, it's a part of us that we tend to try to create conditions. Um, you know, uh, man, I love your blouse, but, <laughs> you know, this just, it's like that butt hurts. And where does that come from? It's coming from my, my own fleshfulness, my own pride. A lot of places is, 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 is kind of that butt stored up in a lot of emotion, a lot of who knows. And we do that often in our, in, in our walks with God. Oh, okay, okay, well, well yeah, uh, you know, I'll praise and worship, but. And so it's a part of us that we really need to fully surrender. We're holding on. So. You know, it's like, okay, well, well, I'll help you, but, and that's not how it is. I think of, a, of a, if God set that butt on us, oh, I love you, but, or, 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 or even, even a little bit deeper, you're saved, but. Or I hear what you're saying, but do it my way instead. Yeah, and just being able to really surrender and, and, and understand that, you know, we, we, it, we're in a situation where we're constantly having to surrender or remind ourselves, did I let go of that? Have I truly allowed God to grab the wheel? Or am I just waiting for an exit? <laughs> Man, if we could learn to accept the difference, I think it makes the sameness more fun. True? The beauty of the church is the diversity and the differences in it. And when we learn to accept that, the sameness in Christ becomes such the over, overflow of the joy. That's when it gets to be fun. Here's the second one. I will love you as God has loved me. I just won't accept you as God has accepted me, I will love you as God has loved me. James tells us in verse 17, he says that wisdom that's from above, this God stuff that comes down, he says this, it's impartial and sincere. I don't want you to miss this because these two words in the original language mean without hypocrisy. Now this is important because love is without hypocrisy. It means our ability to play well with others, and I'm never two-faced. In other words, how we're playing in this room 
is who I am when you're not in the room and I'm with others and your name comes to the surface. See, that's what they're talking about here. I've said it before, but in the old Greek theater, uh, the actors, uh, there weren't multiple actors. There was usually one or two people on the stage and they would wear multiple masks. And so you'd get one person and they would play the different roles by switching the mask. Those actors back in those days was where we get the word hypocrite. That's what they were called. They wear multiple masks, which I find this sort of ironic, and I'm just going to play on this. You find it crazy in the midst of COVID that now we're all required to wear a mask. Maybe there's a partial thing here coming from God saying, hey, you've been looking like this as my church a long time well before COVID. Why not live it out now? I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to be mean when I say that. But maybe when we wear those masks, maybe we'll have a little reminder now that God's love isn't that way. God doesn't wear a mask with us. Who he is is who he is. And so hey, we're supposed to be. That's what real love is. I want to share a story with you. It comes from April 26, 2008. It was Central Washington and Western Oregon. They were facing off against each other in women's softball. And the winner would get to go on to the NCAA Division II playoffs. Sarah Chalosky, she was at bat. She was playing for Western Oregon. And two people are on, on base, so I don't want you to miss this. 0-0, zero, zero, second inning, and she's up to bat. She's never hit a home run in her life, ever. We're talking ever in her life until this day. It's a crazy moment. She connected with a pitch and the ball went over the center field fence. In her excitement, she missed touching first base. So she quickly turned around and when she stopped realizing I need to touch it before I go on to second base, she tore her ACL, collapsing her to the ground. Sarah, Sarah's first base coach wanted to help. But if he had touched her, she would be immediately called out. So as Sarah lay on the ground, the umpires determined that the best thing to do was to allow the Western Oregon coach to substitute with a pinch runner, but it would cancel out her home run. But at least now the bases would be loaded, right? The Western Oregon coach was preparing to make the substitution when she heard these words. Excuse me. Would it be okay if we carried her around and let her touch each bag? You see, in college softball, a teammate cannot touch a player while they're running the bases. But there's no rule that says the opponent's teammates cannot touch her. And so Mallory Holtman and Liz Wallace, two players on the Central Washington team, picked up Sarah and carried her around the bases, allowing her to tap each base along the way. After reaching home plate, the two girls handed Sarah off to her own teammates. When asked later why they did this, Mallory Holtman said, honestly, it's one of those things that I hope someone would do for me someday. But that decision cost them the game. They lost four to two. If they would have let the pinch runner come out, there's a possibility that no one would have scored and they would have won two to one. But instead it cost them the game. Why do I say all that? Do you generally care about others? Like, do you really love them? Like, when they succeed, are you deeply and sincerely happy for them? especially someone you may not like. Even if it means that it will cost you in the end. See, as we talk about acceptance, it's easy to accept the people that are somewhat like us, we get along with. But see, acceptance really comes down to when we accept the one who comes in and they don't react the way that we think they ought to react or they don't react the way that we think Christ would react. They don't do as we would think they should do. But the same is with love. Jesus said, wow, don't just 
pray for your enemy. I want you to really love them. I want you to pray good to them. Not, not the people you like. Love is best demonstrated in the people you don't. You know the way that Jesus loved us while we were still sinners. And no greater love that he would lay down his life. Do we love people the way Christ loves us? The way that Jesus, when we tore our ACL in life with sin, and Jesus picked, up, picked us up and carried around the bases, and even did that knowing that some that he would let score would never give their life and surrender to him, and yet he did it anyway. See, that kind of love. Let me share one more story as we get ready to talk about this. In the world of baseball, the name Lou Gehrig is a well-known name. Now, some of you have, may have no idea who that is, but you might know something that was named after him. See, he was the first baseman for the New York Yankees. He died, however, on June 2nd, 1941 of ALS, later called Lou Gehrig's disease. The doctors had no idea how to treat it, how to deal with it. So as you can imagine, he would be in the hospital for long periods of time as they would experiment on him with different kinds of drugs, trying to figure out, would anything work? Just before he died, however, Lou Gehrig called his best friend, Bob. Bob, I have great news, he said. The boys in the lab have come up with a new serum and they're trying it out on 10 of us. And it seems to be working out of, on, on nine of them. Is it working on you, Lou? Asked Bob. Well, no. But then Lou said this. But nine out of ten? How do you like those odds? <laughs> I want to be that church. Imagine if we could develop that type of attitude like Christ. Even though I might be the one that it's not. Do we love the way Jesus loves us. What's going through your heart and mind? If I can be honest, I don't always love like I'm supposed to. So I have to pray a lot. That's why we need the wisdom from above, isn't it? Because I think, Sherry, you're not alone. I think we'd all agree with that. And I think that prayer and those opportunities where we catch ourselves where we've made those mistakes, where we have not accepted or we have judged or we've um, created a scenario in our minds without truly seeing the broad picture. Those are the opportunities where we can build our character. Just like these women in this baseball game, their character is bigger than any score. They were the winners in that game. They were the ones that led by example. And while, yeah, they lost, did they really? And in, in talking about, you know, being honest about not always loving while, like, I don't love my husband as well as I should. But, like, the great thing about marriage and the church is we get to practice with people who love us back. And that practice leads us to love our enemies even better, too. Just remember John 3.16, for God so loved. If we're going to say we're believers, we have to love people. And not love people that are like me, that look like me, but love everyone. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. Pastor Keith, you've said this plenty of times, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And once people see that you truly care about them, that's, what, that's the open door and God starts moving in and through that. But if we say we, say we want to be like Jesus, we say we're believers, man, how are we loving our neighbors, the ones that we maybe dislike or have a disagreement, whatever it may be, are we loving them, truly, authentically loving them? Because that will show. Isn't love a great icebreaker too? You know, there's situations where things just get fuming hot. Isn't a good old-fashioned hug the best way to tame any one of those situations? I do this with my 14-year-old son. You know, he is so angry, he's so upset. You know what, come here, I need a hug. And in, I mean, it just, it relaxes you. You can just feel 
the compassion. You can, you can feel his heart beating up against mine and it just soothes you, it calms you. The same thing applies to any situation out on the street. You might not be hugging strangers right now with COVID, but you know what? A simple gesture is going to go a long way. I think it's also just alignment. You know, um, in sports, they, treat, they, they teach alignment and assignment and execute, those three things. And I think as well in our walk, we also need to get realigned with God. Get back in the word. Be, you know, remind yourself of these things. And, and not only that, then you understand the assignment. Like in that example with the sports, the girls, they, they knew the assignment. It wasn't the scoreboard. They understood it. So then they could execute. Just keep thinking, it's all fun and games till you're the one out of the ten. You know, it's, e it's easy to come to church and have the bumper sticker and go through all the stuff. But it gets real when you loving someone else may actually put you in a situation where you're hurt or where you lose on the scoreboard. For, for me, I was just thinking of, you know, you know, Jesus came to show us how to be different, how to live, how to not only accept us for who we are, but then to change us because of the word and who he is to then give that away to other people. So to become more than we were because of who he is, is um, it's what we're sharing today. If we could develop an attitude to accept others the way Christ accepts us, to love others the way that Christ loves us, here's number three. I will forgive you as God has forgiven me. I will forgive you as God has forgiven me. And James 3 says, that this wisdom that comes from above is full of mercy. It's full of mercy. You see, if we're going to be God's bride, we never rub things in. We always rub them out. That's who we're going to be. See, we don't ever hold anything over someone's head because Jesus, because of the cross and the resurrection of Christ, has released everything from us in our hearts. That's why I'll just say it this way. If we really get him here, you cannot withhold it here. You cannot. When you really get what Jesus did with the forgiveness of our sin, wow. I, I can't hold that over your head. I can't hold that over your heart. What an amazing gift that God gave us in Jesus. Amen to that? Amen. Proverbs 17, 9 says, love forgets mistakes. That's what love does. It forgets. It forgives. As Jesus said, you know, how many times? Seven. <laughs> oh, my. Over and over. We just forgive because how many times has God forgiven us? How many times? We just forgive. Imagine a church that accepts and loves and forgives. Yeah, it would be perfect. The doors of the world would open, but boy, that bride would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Just the way it's supposed to be. There was a little boy who was afraid of the dark. Every time he would go to bed at night, his dad would go up to his room and he would talk to him. And he would tell his little boy there was never a need to be afraid because God was with him. And the last time... His dad said that. I love what the little boy said. I know that, Daddy, but I want someone with skin. Now, remember what I said earlier. Watch this. We're supposed to be that skin. People don't need just Jesus. They need Jesus in us. Amen. That's what the gospel is. That's what it means to be the light to the world, to be the living hope. We're to go out. Remember the story in Matthew 25? Who are the least of these? You know, those in prison, those, you know, those without clothes, those who are hungry. And he says, blessed are you because you were me to the least of these. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was naked, you clothed. We're to be the skin of Jesus. 
That's why he said, it's best I go away. But I give you the Holy Spirit who's now in you and you get to go be Jesus to the world. You get to be me and accept people as I've accepted you. Love them the way I've loved you. Forgive them the way I've forgiven you. And when that happens, mm, the church is a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's perfect. It's beautiful. Just the way it's supposed to be. And the train of her robe fills the temple. And the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What's going through your heart? What's going through your mind? I use the phrase, let the past be in the past and focus on the future quite a bit in, in our house. Um, I feel like everybody has things that they've done wrong. You can't let the things of the past dictate and choose your future. Let go of it. Allow it to be what it was. Don't dwell, don't go back, don't focus on, oh, if I would have done this different, I should have done that different. That's foolish. That's a waste of your, your time and energy. But instead, focus on how you're gonna take that situation, what you did do wrong, what you did right, and write a new future. Something you actually can change, something that you have control of, and use that to build a bigger and better life for yourself in his name. I got written down here, you know, church equals people. And, you know, just to think of the power in my neighbor being able to really be there as a spiritual pillar in my life, rather than me wanting to go and make a phone call or reach out or whatever it is, or just even be submerged in whatever that doubt or whatever that emotion is, but really being able to understand that, hey, it's a community. It's a community. It's not just the building where we hear the word and where we worship. It's right here on my porch. <laughs> I just think of that, just that, that atmosphere, you know, that ecosystem you're creating now and that community now where it just, I get the chills even talking about it. You know, um, it's kind of like how you see everyone's in the backyards nowadays. Let's get back to the front right. yard. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you make me think of what, the promise that God says, when two or more gather in my name, I will be there among them. And that's exactly what it is. Even if it was the whole world for God, even though he wants all of us, if there was just two that were on his side that did what he asked, he would love that. But we all know he wants more. And so that's why we do what we do. But it's so inspiring to hear you say that. The two of you on your porch, that is good. That's church. <laughs> I think the first two might be easier than this last one because I think sometimes um, we don't forgive ourselves. And so if we don't forgive ourselves, how are we supposed to forgive others? Like we may do something stupid and that causes our own setbacks and we keep beating ourselves up about it. And if we can't forgive ourselves and move forward like God does, how can we forgive someone else who may do us wrong too? And I think it's especially hard in the church because when we think, when another church member does us wrong, we think they should know better. But we should also know better. We should know better to forgive and to keep forgiving and to move forward because Jesus has told us many, many times, if, if you don't forgive, I'm not gonna forgive you. And we, we always put these buts on other people within the church, but like, what are we doing? Are we also doing our part? You know, we talked about it with our life group yesterday. And, you know, we just said, you know, and we were real and raw with each other. We said, do we want to be a country club or do we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Because I think so many times it's a, we just come and come and then what, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Are we really being the hands and feet of Jesus to the people that need it? Because like Pastor Keith said, people, we need to be Jesus to people. And we might be the only Bible that people might see. Someone might never step a foot in this door. But outside of here, we need to be Jesus to them. Because we're not promised tomorrow. 
I can't say, well, come to church on Sunday and God forbid that person dies tomorrow. But I, I was in Jesus to him. You know what I mean? So that, that, that's huge and, and an amazing challenge for us is we got to be the hands and feet of Jesus and not just talk about it, but do it. And God will give us opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's the church. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in the homes for, their Lord's, with the, for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They accepted one another. They loved one another. They forgave one another. They took care of one another. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, man, I want to be this church. It's your church. God, where truly people can walk through the doors, wherever at in life, and we accept them. truly accept them. God, they might be wayward. They might be struggling. They might be in, in sin. But we accept them because we love them the way you've loved us. And we forgive because you've forgiven us. God, how often we want to hold on to things we want to put a condition on our love and see if they do the right things first as if we always do the right things. God, how often our acceptance is the same. But God, right now, in all my humanity, the Bible's crystal, you accept me, you love me, and you forgive me. And there's nothing I can do to be a part of that except receive that. And if I have, then to go and give that. God, a picture of your church, the bride it's supposed to be in all of its beauty and all of its radiant. God, may we, in our hearts, each one, when we confess to you, being broken before you and saying, God, help us. Help me right now to accept others the way you accept me, to love the way you love me and to forgive others as you have forgiven me. And God, I will say thanks in advance, believing that you are touching lives right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.